On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about what is the future of user interface design when it comes to leveraging web technologies. We also get into a little bit of debate on the modern approaches to software development and proprietary approaches. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control. A state of control, episode 69. HTML5. Are we there yet? Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Extron, industry leading technology backed by world class support. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So, in today's episode, we're going to be talking about the future of user interface design and uh, when it comes to looking at emerging web technologies and and where things are headed, uh, so with me to discuss that, we actually have the 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 opportunity to speak with two people from uh, outside of the U.S. And uh, but before we get to introducing them, I'd like to talk and say hi to my partner here at, at State of Control. He's none other than Rich Fergosa. How are you, Rich? I'm doing good, Uncle, uh, mellow Uncle Richie, West Coast greetings in uh, confinement. So, <laughs> yeah. at least virtually, I was, telling, uh, I was telling the guys earlier, I said as a programmer, I think we've been all training our lives for this moment. So, <laughs> you know, isolation, I guess, makes for comfort here. Absolutely. So, I'd like to, to uh, welcome two returning guests. First one is Patrick Murray. He is from Catch Connect. And he comes to us from Germany. How are you, Patrick? Doing great here, Steve. Uh, dealing with the quarantine, the worst that's happened to us is extra bored children. So I think we're doing okay. So that's all we have to deal with. So not extra children, just extra bored. <laughs> just extra bored. It's, okay. Uh, yeah. Just <laughs> a challenge. And last but not least, uh, we got to meet in person for the first time at ISE, which was probably one of the last times I've actually been in person with some some people. And he's none other than Oliver Hall from Ultimation. How are you, Oliver? Really good, thanks. Thanks for joining us again. Cheers. So in past episodes, we've talked a lot about the uh, components of user interface design. We talked a bit about user experience. And... Today, we're going to talk more about the technologies behind it. You know, what, what does it take to create these user interfaces and, and the user experience? And, and we're going to get into uh, where things are headed and how they apply to the AV industry with regard to leveraging tools and, and different web technologies. So, Rich, why don't we start the conversation just by talking about um, how... What, what's going to change in the AV world when we start to introduce some other technologies beyond the proprietary software that we're used to, to dealing with when it comes to developing our user interfaces? Well, my first hope is that we'll be able to better meet client expectations. Um, you know, we, we've said this many times that we're unfortunately a little bit behind the curve in that the technology advancements that you see just in the greater uh, 
computer and IT world is that you know we're going to be we're going to be following behind Android and and Apple and and the 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 styles and the interface uh, methods that they're going to push out. I mean, we we don't have the luxury of pushing out 10 million devices at once and having it adopted. Uh, I mean, the, an example that we saw, you know, for the longest time was everybody loves skeuomorphic design, which was, you know, the photorealistic. And then one day out of nowhere, flat design was the range. And overnight, the expectation was to follow that lead. However, in our industry, we had just gotten a skeuomorphic. We were happy to have that stuff. And all of a sudden now, we're looking outdated and pushing through. So we, my hope is that as these tools come closer to what the general programming community uses. We'll be able to leverage those tools a little bit better and um, develop faster, uh, develop, be able to turn things around quicker and also make changes faster. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is it's, it's uh, you know, in, in the bespoke environment and, and Ollie can say the same thing. I mean, that, that is a completely different animal. You are, you're creating, you know, not to overuse the, the, the term, but I mean, that's your artistry that comes into play. That's something personalized, you know, that, that's, it's tailored. Um, but when you're pushing out huddle spaces or conference rooms or distance learning classrooms, or, you know, what we're gonna see, uh, we were talking about it on another show the other day, is when you start talking about the high performance home office, you're gonna need to be a lot more agile. And in order to be agile, you need tools that not only allow you to move quickly, but also to get access to a larger resource pool. And, you know, that I, I you know, my, my hope too, is that it, it makes it a little bit more collaborative. So, you know, I view it as a good thing. We've been waiting for it forever. We keep talking about it and we're starting to kind of crest uh, that bridge at this point. So Patrick, uh, uh, Richard talked, uh, Rich talked a lot about um, the different benefits that we're going to find and, and the kind of the why behind some of this and, and where, where, where we're going to benefit, but, but in making, is this going to be a, a very easy transition? Is this going to be something that we're, we're just going to go to, to look at a, we, we've opened the door and now, now here's our, our hallway and we're going to find, you know, the, the destination or are we going to run into some, some challenges in, in making a transition to, I guess, not, not only modernizing the user interface, but, but developing with, with some more modernized tools? Um, no, it won't be easy. Uh, I really believe that it will change if there's uh, some decent adoption of doing things this way. I think it will change the way that projects are done. Because in the past, right, Rich kind of alluded to this, we didn't have the scale. We weren't putting out 10,000 devices, we're doing a handful of rooms. So we didn't have the scale to really create robust frameworks that could handle anything. So we needed really simple tools where you could send a tech to site and they could drag a button around the screen or quickly change the color. And we did that by using a pixel perfect environment. You had to know the screen size um, and it was very rigid, but you could make quick changes on the spot. And we won't be able to do that anymore when you're adopting these modern software languages using HTML, CSS, JavaScript, just changing a color can be a huge hassle. Um, it's hunting down where in that CSS code you have to change the, the hex code to make it red instead of blue. That's not the kind of thing you wanna be doing when you're on a job site sitting on a cable spool at 10 o'clock at night. So 
uh, consultants, engineers, you know, we all need to plan for this in how the project is run. The UI needs to be done before uh, everything is deployed and don't expect to make quick changes. Um, iterative changes can be done offsite in a planned manner, but quick changes on site, I think is going to be the biggest um, wake up call to adopting technologies like this. So Oliver, bring you into this conversation and, and Rich touched also on the fact that we're opening the door to other resources and, and other talents and, and, and having, um, being able to tap into a, uh, the, the capabilities of people outside of our industry, let's say, um, are we going to start to see clients or, or other types of trades, whether it's a web developer or a graphic designer or, or something, somebody of that um, ilk developing user interfaces that we're going to have to use now that they, that they you know, we, we've, we've almost um, given the, opened the door to, to these possibilities. And, and it's something that, that they are going to look at and say, well, I'm, I'm used to doing this stuff. Uh, this is one of the things that gets kind of suggested quite a lot, isn't it? That, that there's suddenly going to be, I don't know whether it's, uh, you know, paranoid programmers worrying that their jobs are all going to suddenly evaporate overnight, but there's a lot of talk about whether there's going to be a sort of an influx of, of people with, you know, web user interface development skills that's suddenly going to come along and do it. I, I'm not quite sure that it's going to work like that. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a tool and you, you can have different people, you know, apply that tool in different ways. I'm not sure that web developers are naturally going to suddenly jump, you know, move away from the web development kind of communities that they're within and suddenly think that AV is the place they want to be, not just because, you know, sort of uh, the financial side of it or anything like that. Um, I don't know. I just, I'm not, I mean, we, we did a thing when, when we were with you at IIC, we were taking a set of students around um, and they were computer science students and they were going around looking at the AV industry. And I mean, fair enough, it was, it was an environment that they weren't really aware of. So it was good from that point of view that it opened their eyes. But um, I, I didn't get the feeling that they were suddenly sort of, you know, uh, sort of wowed by this whole sort of new industry that they hadn't, they hadn't sort of seen before. And I think that probably the same is true for, for web developers. You know, you might go to a web developer and say, I've got this, uh, you know, there's, there's a new opportunity here doing AV development. I'm not sure that they're necessarily suddenly going to bite your hand off and jump at it. So I, I don't, personally, I don't see a, a huge sort of big pool of resource suddenly sort of, sort of blooming from this kind of thing. Mind if I jump in there, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Go for it. I, I've actually, um, have done this before, outsourced UI development to web developers. And there's a learning curve there, right? But there's, there's what I, what I, if that happens in that kind of environment, I see the web developer making the HTML stuff and then the AV programmer editing it to put in his handles and hooks to go into the control system so that when you push a button, the control system knows about it and the AV programmer will still do his normal automation logic. That's, that's how I see things playing out. But to what Oliver was saying, I don't think there'll be that incoming interest, but I think outgoing when an integrator or a consultant wants to make a different looking UI and wants to pull on that kind of a resources, they could find a freelance developer or a consulting house who specializes in high-end user interfaces and use that as a resource. But that is a learning curve. The first time you do that, 
you'll probably fall on your face. I know that I did because that communication is new. It's, it's a new way of communicating with people. It's new for them. It's new for us. But um, it, eventually I found uh, a few guys who we've developed a relationship with and things work out really well in, in that I mean, case. I think you've hit on something important there that there's, there's definitely a difference between mobile web development or you know the kind of things that, that traditionally if you go on you know the internet now and, and look these kind of things up the kind of the kind of work that people are currently doing it's not a, a straight kind of cut and paste into the av world of, of not at all space design it's a very different paradigm and and in some ways i think some of the work that's being done now um by some of the manufacturers on their new technologies is it, it it shows some of that thinking coming through in a way that you know they're looking at it as though it's a mobile app and it's kind of like it's not a mobile app it's a an av control system and you know they'll they'll um, converge anyway, like most of these things do. But there's definitely a different mindset involved in in building this stuff. Well, even the underlying technology comes HTML comes from uh, the printed document. So a lot of those concepts come from a, you know a printed document with rows and columns. So just adopting that will be new to us. Coming from Pixel Perfect, where we say X Y coordinates, and now working in rows and columns. That, that's just, just the layout alone. But um, I, I saw it once just explaining to a web developer, I want this bottom menu to stay on the bottom of the screen and never move. And I want nothing to scroll. It was, it, it was a 10 minute conversation before he understood that. And I, think, I think the thing that you, saw, you mentioned before, Patrick, about uh, the planning side of it as well and not being able to make kind of on the hoof kind of changes and things, that's gonna be a mountain to climb in terms of you know setting people's expectations not just you know clients and residential and stuff like that because they're always sort of saying look you know we just have this little change yeah. but on commercial stuff as well you know that the, the number of jobs that we are you know sort of involved with that um people just don't think ahead they don't they don't do that you know i mean we go back to clients and say you know can you do some wireframes for how do you want the ui to to you know functionally how do you want it to operate and they kind of look at you blankly and think what do you mean? You know, it's, yeah. it, it amazes me sometimes that people don't go through that process. Steve and they're going to have to. Yeah. Steve and I have had a few conversations about this. And I believe that a new role might be created uh, called AV Software Consulting. Because what I see here in Germany, I don't know where it is in other places, I'll, consultants don't really plan the control system. They, they give you everything you need to make a functioning system. But like you said, the, the wiring, the the framework, the layout, what buttons are going to go where, the actual functionality. Many of them have told me, we don't know what the customer is going to need in the end. So we just make sure you have everything you need and then we let the smart people do it. I expect those smart people to get involved earlier in the project if things are to go smoothly. I, I, so I, I mean, my takeaway from that, and I agree with you, and I think it's been that way for quite some time, is that we're going to have to be more diligent about planning, and but but I think also we're going to have to educate the world a little bit about what is going to be involved here, because I, you know the the with with things when we start to to um, to talk in terms that that everybody thinks that they know about it makes it sound like it's so easy but they don't but but there there are there there i think that there's always going to be a differentiator between developing a user interface for something 
uh, 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 any other component and develop, developing it for, for an AV system. And that, that's, that's really where the, the, uh, the education is going to have to be. And, and to, to Patrick's point, if we're looking at, uh, if we are able to architect a solution and then break it down into pieces, then you can assign somebody the, who's a specialist in a certain area to, to develop the, their part of it, I would imagine. But we need we need to break away from the the sort of mindset of traditional web development as well, where I think you know there is, there is an expectation that you're building it once, and hopefully millions of people are going to use your output. With AV systems programming, you, it's not the same. You know, you're, you're building something that uh, that you know a handful of people might be using. You can't necessarily put the same sort of level or degree of resource into uh, building some of these things that that traditional web sort of paradigms can enjoy. Well, I think we also want to consider, again, as it relates to our industry, and it's something that we, I started falling into by accident, is that we need to look a little closer at some of the affiliated uh, industries. Like, you know, there's digital signage content providers. You know, they don't do anything on the technical side, but, you know, I can guarantee that when you walk into Subway, the franchise owner who has the digital signage behind them didn't create all of that content behind them for the menu board. However, that was provided and was put together. When you walk into a gym, I mean, we're seeing that already. We're just not necessarily focusing on it because it's sort of kind of outside of AV, but you know, where, where we've looked at it, as we said, absolutely. That is, you know, that's like our first cousin. Um, you know, these kiosks that are there, they're performing the same function ordering functions, uh, you know, environment, hospitality, concierge services, all of these things. There, you know, there are industries and companies that are already formed out there. And so as opposed to, you know, and, and this is where companies are going to differentiate themselves with this change. This is, you know, where that, that the differentiation you know, that we keep talking about, if your company is going to grow, if you're going to differentiate yourself, your model will change. You have to look at, are we a content provider now? You know, do we have an in-house uh, UX expert or do we partner and do we work with web developers? And I think what Oliver was saying was absolutely correct. I don't see that people who are interested in tech are going to look at AV and go, wow, AV is a place to be. It's not going to be employees coming in who want jobs that are taking jobs from existing AV programmers and techs. It's the opposite. It should be, and again, speaking as a business owner, it should be the third-party programming companies, the integrators with programming staff, um, you know, all of these different types of companies, whether you're a large company, a small company, a mom and pop, it's, you know, it's, it's constantly the business decision, which is what can we do well in-house and what can we do from a partnership standpoint, like Pat was saying, can we relay information well enough to then be able to get a product that comes back? Now, the question then becomes with your client, is that a front-facing solution or is that a back-end solution? Uh, you know, and again, like I said, I, I take it from the digital signage side of things. What I looked at, I was like, there's people out there who are already creating how to deal with multimedia effects, how to deal with information, things that are transitioning, um, and, and there are already artists in place. So why would I try to reinvent the wheel or necessarily go out and grab a web developer and write a framework and all these things when I can call six yeah, uh, uh, digital signage content developers and say, hey, I've got an idea and now I've got some of these tools. I'd like to take something that you did for 
brand XYZ and modify it for tablet use, computer use, et cetera. So, I mean, again, that's where my mind went with it, which is there's ways to maximize your profitability without the stubbornness of programmers of saying, I've got to do it all on my own. I have to control the process. It's a product, it's content. And once you take that content, you can send it out to a client. Because again, this, this comes back to the spec side as programmers, right? What do we always have problems with? Sign off, send the framework. Send the darn framework, send the, the mock-up, everything else. Just because nothing's happening when you press the button doesn't matter. But where you're going to get that pushback is, well, can it slide from the, the left to the right? Oh, I don't like, like Patrick was saying, I don't like this version of ruby red. Can you make it, uh, uh, you know, my Pantone red that I've sent you? You know, I mean, there's some exciting stuff. Um, to be able to use these tools. The ability to take their custom Pantone color scheme and drop that in. Well, now you've used it for client A. You go to client B and your framework is the same. You just ask them for the Pantone scheme that's already been vetted by the, the marketing companies and the brand imaging companies they've spent tons of money on. And you just integrate it and you go, no problem. Whereas opposed to the prior closed tools, I can guarantee I've sat there with an RGB picker guessing and guessing and guessing and guessing and going, nope, nope, nope. There are conversion tools and things like that. That's <laughs> a guess. And you were the one who had to do it. So I think one of the potential benefits that kind of ties into what both what Oliver and Rich were saying is that um, the user interface gets decoupled from the rest of the system if everything is planned well. So in the past, you had to call the programmer if you wanted to change on the UI. In this respect, the UI can really be something that lives completely on its own, separate from the control logic and the rest of the system. And uh, I've heard of this happening in campuses where they have web developers in-house in who know the students, they know the staff, they know their um, branding and everything like that. And they develop the UIs and hook into an API, right? And all they need to do is send the right messages or receive the right messages. And the control system programmer doesn't need to know. So they could set, uh, roll out an entire new UI next semester and none of the control logic needs to be changed because everything is so well-defined and completely decoupled. Now, you, yeah, well, you need, to be, you need to do this in a very standardized and planned out way. And that's what you were talking about, Oliver, is the changes. Um, how are we going to handle that? And there are tools, you know, to do this. But hopefully all of this software. is going is going to bring us towards the you know the best practices that exactly and this is one of the good things that these things have been already worked out. It's already by, figured out. Yeah, by by the traditional IT kind of development software sort of uh, community. Absolutely. We we use GitLab for all of our projects here and just the issue management, assigning mm. tasks, describing issues, having all of the conversations documented and in one place so you could jump around and don't have to go through emails and figure out who said oh. what when uh, just having issues on a board and being able to drag it from to do to doing to done yeah. so that everybody at a glance knows what the state of the project is it's really there's powerful. loads of really good tools like that you know i mean a lot of people use jira don't they we use fog bugs things like that though you know those issues or, or case tracking tools that they, they're amazing when you start using them yeah, when I show them to integrators, uh, while well, the techs at least are always like, this is great. Why don't we do this for every project? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, we're trying to get other people that we work with to sort of sign up to those things as well, because it makes our lives easier as well. Because I'm sick of that kind of email trail of, you know, can we do this? Can we do that? And then it gets lost and it gets sent to three, four different people. Yeah. It's impossible. Or renaming can I go files. Back to something that 
and shouldn't sorry i'm pointing at my picture of rich over here uh earlier on but i think you made a really good point about the sort of the transfer of skills and and it might not be that people come into the av industry to, to become you know uh to take their kind of uh web development careers to the next level but i certainly think that one of the challenges we've had in, in employing people has been when you write the job job specification for somebody and you say you'll be doing blah 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 you know user interface development using tools such as i mean, it might not say this literally but effectively what you're saying is you're using vt pro you're using proprietary tools you're using simple windows that kind of stuff the, the change now that we can say because we're on the crestron side you know you can use c sharp and now that we can say you can use html and, and css and, and so on that's going to make a massive difference for us i think in terms of being an attractive employer because even if you know, obviously, as an employer, we're hoping that we'll take somebody on and keep them. But um, you know, it's it's nice for them to be able to come to us and know that they've got they're going to be building up transferable skills that can take them on somewhere else if that's where they want to go. So that's gonna, I hope that's going to make our lives easier in terms of finding new talents as well. Do you mind if I ask a question, Steve? Steal okay. the show a little. So, what? Why? I mean, these technologies have been available for years. All of them. Everything has been there to do this already what's what's changed why is it taking so long um, we've been deploying with uh, Android tablets running a touch panel you press a button it, it, it just works I mean it, is there any one manufacturer in particular or I mean, is that what you mean or so when when we need a touch panel we take a Mimo touch panel they're a couple hundred bucks and it looks just like a touch panel smells like a touch panel acts like one except it's running a web browser in kiosk mode but yeah, but if I'm trying to put myself in this sort of space so of, I guess a, of one of the manufacturers, you know, a Crestron or an AMX or something, oh. are they, that's not their business model really, is it, I suppose? And for them to develop a panel that is, you know, a branded panel, there's, there's a, it's a, it's the aircraft carrier that you can't, you can't. So what, what, so the, the manufacturers drive the market, they drive the technology hmm. that's used. I always view, I always thought it was the integrator's job. Pick the right tool for the no, job. No, sorry. I'm, well, I'm only looking at it from our point of view. I mean, we are affiliated with Crestron very much, so so you know, I mean, we're we're tied into their ecosystem. We we don't have the luxury of being able to just uh, go out and pick things off the shelf, I guess. I've always viewed it as replication. I mean, again, it's not when you deploy a project; it's not when a project's going well. My concern is, and I and I've told this to you know, new programmers and, and, and new integrators. I said, I, I, I'm not worried about the profitability of your job today. I'm worried about the profitability of your job five years from now. I wanna make sure five years from now that you've maintained the profitability of your job, that you actually made money on it over the life of the project. And, you know, I've gone back with them. I'm like, let's go back on a project you did two years ago. I said, let's bring up all your service calls. Let's bring up the devices that you had to replace on your dime or things that you didn't think about. I said, now let's actually run the real numbers. I said, you paid for the privilege of working for this person. So, you know, there, there is, and, and this is the difference between bespoke and, and a solution that is being custom tailored and hopefully grows out and, and maybe to a customer base of a thousand or in, you know, in the single thousands. And then there's the question of, you know, enterprise and scale. And I think that the bigger question always is scale, you know, and we've always said that the AV industry has always been, you know, about a decade behind the curve. I mean, it used to be 20 years behind the curve easily. You know, I think we've, we've started to, to close that gap. Uh, 
But there's lots of legacy systems still out there. There's projects you have to maintain that I know I have projects that are going on 23 years, you know, that there's still things that I have to maintain that were put in in, in the 90s. Um, so to be able to say, hey, absolutely, this is the brand new thing that I've got and this is software, that's great. And that's a forward thinking plan. But, you know, at the same time, it, it becomes a matter of for integrators, new integrators, um, for techs, training. How, you know, how many times do you have to cross train for four different things? You know, if you've got a product, you've got training, you know, say you've got a one-off device, where's the training classes for it? Do you have in plate, you know, do you, do you have webinars? Do you have classrooms? Do you have uh, demo facilities? Do you have all of these things? So, you know, it's a much bigger, to answer your question, it's more than just that piece of software running in that moment. It is the much larger organism over the development and sale of a project that fits the customer. Sometimes it won't fit the customer. Sometimes there's a different product that fits the customer. And does the integrator drive it? Yeah, but the integrator is not a manufacturer. The integrator doesn't have that kind of money to spool up because they got to be out there working. So, you know, I, you know, I view- What about the owner? What about the tech owner? The client. Right? Yeah, the client. So uh, there's only one manufacturer that has a closed API. Every other AV manufacturer has some kind of API where you could talk to all of their devices. So if you are a technology owner, this is what confuses me a bit. Why would you choose to be beholden to one proprietary ecosystem instead of, um, you know, choose being able to have choice moving in the future? So having your user interface and control logic done in standardized open source programming languages, and then you're able to pick and choose whatever endpoints displays DSPs, whatever it is, as needed. There's a difference though between saying standardized open source languages and a standardized solution though, isn't there? I mean, you know- you Well, there is no solution. Everybody does their own thing. And, no, and no, but there is. If, if, you, anyway. if, you take a, if you take a proprietary solution, then you know, the way my touch panel talks to my control processor, I don't have to worry about that. That's, that's handled by that ecosystem. TCP. Well, right. But, you don't want to rewrite your TCP connection every time you put a new piece of kitten, do you? I don't, I don't want to, I, to be honest. You, as a, you could modulize that. Yeah, you but as a solution a provider, I don't, I don't want to have to worry about that. That's, that's, that's like getting way too down low into the, the, the OS, I guess, I think. But you still pull, at a much higher level. Still pull that symbol over, right? It would, once you write that module once, it's done, and you could reuse it again. Yeah, but I have to write that module for every different piece of equipment that I want to put into my solution. You also have to remember really. if you're basing it based on your technical acumen, and again, we're, we're software developers. There's a big difference between a software developer and somebody who's deploying software and trying to get in, get out. And get, I'll say it over and over again. Get in, get out, get paid. Can you do it? You know, we, right. it's like, you know, again, there, there's the, the instances of. But, but Rich, how does that square with what we're talking about now? Because this won't be easy. No. You won't be able to do HTML quickly. Yet. And again, and I, and, and again, I'm, I'm one of the biggest ones who, you know, will, will, you know, bang my shoe on, on the table saying, I'll I say never anymore. Uh, it's never going to happen. I think it'll evolve. Somebody, there's, we're here, aren't we? And we want to be over there. Somebody's going to fill the, the bit in the middle at some point. And, and we said that uh, with AV over IP and video over IP, you know, is it, is it easier now than it was five years ago? Yes. Was it ridiculously hard five years ago? Yeah. There was only a handful of guys that could do it. Are you at the point now where the technology 
without people needing to know how the sausage is made, can go out and deploy a solution that is provided for them in a closed ecosystem. Could you? I, Absolutely. Could you make I your own? You too guys have been doing the same thing for too long, and you're a little bit biased, to be honest. I really do, because restaurant programming is not easy. Oh, yeah. There, there was a learning curve. There was an investment many years at this point, right? Yeah. Since I foresee this being a much longer conversation and, <laughs> and, my, and, and my, my time is running short on, on this company, I will uh, be glad to continue this on, in, a, in a future discussion, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have to wrap it up uh, for today. Um, I, I do feel like this is a great conversation to have and I appreciate, you know, it, it's always good to be able to sit back and hear some good banter and dialogue. And I think that the audience appreciates that as well. So uh, thank you guys for being a part of that. Um, first, uh, Patrick Murray from Catch Connect. How can people get in touch with you, learn what you're up to and, uh, get, and uh, continue the conversation? I have a favor to ask of all the listeners. So with this HTML stuff coming out and my background in doing the online courses at learnavprogramming.com, I'd like to know if there's any interest in an HTML course. So if you want to help me figure that out, go to learnnavyprogrammingcom slash HTML, and there's a quick little survey. And if the result is positive, then, then we'll make a course to help AV programmers figure this stuff out. Cool. So learnnavyprogrammingcom slash HTML. That's all you, and any uh, ways to get in touch with you directly? Uh, LinkedIn, over the website, there's a contact form as well. Excellent. Thanks. Um, thank you, Oliver. It's great again to have met you in person and th I appreciate right. you being part of this conversation. How could people get in touch with you and uh, learn more website. about automation? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, the website's www.automation.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at, which is at automation or at automation tech if you want to subscribe to the juicy, uh, exciting stuff when we're developing things. Um, LinkedIn again, you know, all the usual stuff. Thank you. And last but not least, Rich, how can people get in touch with you? And another, another great show as, uh, as we have had in the past. And, uh, how, and how can we continue the conversation? Well, I love this conversation. And, and first, before I talk about myself, I, I do want to say about these two. Um, not only are they my friends, but I'm fans. Uh, I'm a fan of the work they do. Ollie, Ollie won't talk about it, but... We were just talking about tools and, and you know, flattening the curve on things. No pun intended. Sorry for using that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I use the tools that Oliver generated to make things easier for programming. Patrick has an incredible um, online programming school basically that he's generated, you know? And so this is exactly what we're talking about. When, when, when you don't know how to get from here to there, um, both of them are coming in from two totally different directions and both are equally valid. If you want to maximize the tools that you're already using and you're in your, you're bought in to your ecosystem, make use of the tools that a company like Oliver has in modules and in all of these great things. Again, I can, you know, glowing reviews, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm biased in that respect, but that's cause it makes me money. <laughs> <laughs> that's the idea. <laughs> money. And then with Patrick's stuff, um, I learned a lot. It was able to expand my viewpoint 
on how I was handling the programming and learning about programming that I didn't know that, I'm, you know, I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, am I too old to even want to do this? And so as I'm bringing people in, I can accelerate their, their learning curve. And, and, and so, you know, taking everything out of this more than anything else, you know, apart from myself is, is you, you know, really, I want to say, I'm so glad you two are on the show because you both bring equally valid viewpoints from completely opposite directions, and, but they both work. And that's the best part. So with that said, um, if you want to find me, um, you can find me on Twitter at rfragosa. Uh, you can find me on the interwebs, uh, fragosadesign.com. More importantly, uh, I would love if you were going to support me to support AB Nation and our suite of shows. Uh, obviously here, State of Control with my good friend. We have Resi Week, uh, you know, AV Week, all of the other shows that are out there. Support us, support our sponsors. Um, click and find your way to avnation.tv. That's the best way to find me. Good deal. And uh, I will second what you said uh, because I, I know that I have uh, admired a lot of Ollie's stuff and I've also had some of my team members take Patrick's classes and all have gotten some some great reviews so uh and uh, uh to give rich a plug make sure you check him out on uh, resi week he's been on recently and it's always a good conversation um so uh while you're at the website at avnation.tv please take a moment to visit the supporters of the show to tell them that you appreciate their support and help and and their help on making this and other shows possible. For me, Steve Greenblatt, please uh, check out my company website at controlconcepts.net or you can find me on social media at Steve Greenblatt. I was also involved in a very successful uh, Learn From Home Summit that uh, Aviation did uh, recently and uh, I uh, highly recommend everybody catching those recordings and uh, there's very good content and some great learning opportunities there. Uh, also, Rich and I would like to hear from you. Uh, please uh, reach out. We, we want to be able to make sure that this show is filling your need and, and your curiosities. So if you can give us a review, send us a comment, let us know what you want to hear, or even if you want to be part of the show in the future, we'd like to hear from you. So uh, reach out to us or visit avnation.tv for more information. Uh, otherwise, that'll be it for today on State of Control. 